0: Welcome, friends and neighbors, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Amazing Adam. And I am Jovial Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 115, the November 1978 issue on sale August 15th of 1978. titled Visions of Death. Death,
1: death, death. And on the cover, there is a very hmm, a very
0: caped-looking Sauron. You know, when I read this issue this afternoon, I really liked this cover, but now all of a sudden, I don't.
1: I don't like this cover either. And I think it's because I don't like how Sauron is drawn.
0: He doesn't have any legs. Yeah, he body parts.
1: It's kind of like um, the 1989 bat symbol if it was dumb and green.
0: He His body just kind of melts into his wings and that's he just has an upper body and a set of wings that don't have any form.
1: And he's got his pectorals too. Uh, yeah, so basically his whole body and where his wingspan is is nothing but like cross-hatched penciling.
0: And then... Somebody got lazy. But is cross-hatching simple? No, it's difficult. It so difficult. maybe they didn't get lazy. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It feels like uh, the idea was to put like a large foreboding uh, Sauron in the background, like really kind of puppeteering these X-Men. Um, but... I don't know. It kind of comes off weird. I think it would have been better if like his whole body would have instead of like it's fading up from green to black where his arms are. If maybe it would have faded downward like a cross hatched light green up by his arms and then faded all the way to the bottom of the page in black as if he was like enveloping all of the X-Men. I think that would have been cooler.
0: Or they, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Or or they could have just continued the crosshatching down to the bottom of the page.
1: Yeah, one of the two. But in the foreground, what we get is Wolverine, for some reason, attacking Colossus, Cyclops trying to stop him, and Nightcrawler, just like he will do in this issue, is completely useless, just kind of jumping out of the way.
0: And Storm is unconscious.
1: Yes, and that's pretty much par for the issue as well. Enter Sauron, says the cover. So this cover basically explains this entire issue. Like, like we could literally just skip to classic X-Men right now because we've just told you everything that happens in this entire issue. Then I guess we'll do the whole thing. So, yeah, so we open it up, and uh, immediately I'm struck because it seems to me like this uh, comic book has been trying to get a little bit more serious between the collaboration of Chris Claremont and John Byrne, kind of taking it out of the campy 60s uh and and maybe some of the uh kludgy dialogue in the very early X-Men 94 95 96 but immediately you're given these really dumb titles like Rebellion Encounters I don't even think I said that right
0: Reckintours
1: tours, but what's that first word
0: I think you were right on that one uh, Rebellion okay Rebellion I don't know Chris Claremont and John Byrne Illuminating. I don't think that's a real word. I defy you, Chris <laughs> Claremont and John Byrne, to, or or Jim Shooter or Roger Stern, and I know you're all listening. <laughs> you better be. Uh, Terry
1: Austin is the illuminating inker. Rick Parker is the loony letterer. Francis Molly is the crafty colorist. Roger Francois, Str- I'm assuming. Oh, Francois. I'm just reading it too fast because I don't care. Roger Stern is the edifying <laughs> editor, and Jim Shooter is the earnest editor-in-chief. Like, I hate that. I hate all of those stupid, crafty, colorer, loony-letterer crap. I'd save that for the 60s.
0: Jeremy, Jeremy. What? Jeremy, what? There what? are far more important things in the world that you can hate. No. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Let it go.
1: Well, there's a lot of things I hate in this world, but this is definitely in my top 10 right here. <laughs> Fine. Anyways, uh... Right where we left off, uh Sauron has Storm in his clutches and Wolverine is about to attack and Zy- oh, he
0: is attacking. Look at those uh look at the look at the uh, the, the lines coming up from his back, you know, uh, connoting his movement this also he's he's leaping forward
1: he definitely is this also harkens back to the early 60s or the i guess late 60s issues as well because it's kind of a splash screen that like we don't need to see because a we saw it in the last issue and b we see it on the cover and now c we're seeing it here in this initial first splash screen panel feels phoned into me
0: well, at least the cover had Wolverine attacking Colossus. That that's throws a wrench in things. I guess so. Why is Wolverine attacking Colossus, Jeremy? Why? I don't know,
1: but I think it has to do with something about Sauron's hypnotic powers, which we saw in X-Men number 61 or 62 when he was fighting the angel. What do you think?
0: I think Colossus called him a moron and he got <laughs> mad.
1: Ah, uh, Wolverine, you are a moron. Don't what? you call me moron, Bob. There are two things I don't stand for, being called chicken and being called moron. And you just called me moron. <laughs> so therefore I'm attacking And I'm
0: you. not going to stand for it.
1: <laughs> All right. So Wolverine's about to attack, or he is at mid-attack. Cyclops is trying to hold him back, and we flip the page to a gigantic two-page spread.
0: Which is pretty awesome.
1: I got to go on record as saying, like, this is a very cool two-page spread. And I believe that this Wolverine has been lifted and reprinted elsewhere.
0: Uh, this is this is on the 10 that we both have, isn't it? The 10? Yeah, you know, the little 10 thing? I picked mine up at the fair. I don't know where you got yours. What the heck is the 10 thing? T-I-N. 10. The, oh, the 10? Yeah, the the tin uh, poster.
1: Oh, yeah. As I rotate my chair around to look at it, it totally is. It totally is. Well, that's why that panel looks so darn familiar. (laughs) Uh, I got mine at a local hardware store, the tin sign of this very Wolverine, and it says Wolverine on top of it. I got mine at the Erie County Fair. Well done. Mine probably cost more.
0: Uh, Mine was, I think, $4 for two.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I spent 12 bucks on mine. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really neat, you know. What are you going to do? Well, it was really neat. <laughs>
0: I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> I would have bought a lot more if they were 4 bucks. Jeez. Especially if they were $4 for two.
0: Yeah, it, was, it was a special. I also got a, an Elvis Presley one. Oh. But they had, like, Fantastic Four, which I thought about getting. Uh, Spider-Man... They had, they had lots of them. They were cool.
1: The best part of this whole panel is that Wolverine, as he is jumping in, claws extended, with the rest of the X-Men behind him, as he says, "The only place you're gonna rule is hell."
0: And he, you mean, you mean Hades? Not yet. Oh wait, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> not
1: until 1988. <laughs> um, and Cyclops, of course, being his normal pansy self, was you. Crazy? You're doing exactly what Zoran wants you to. Stop!
0: He could have just said stop. I mean, there's no point in him saying, You're doing exactly what Zoran wants you to. Wolverine doesn't know that. Yeah, he's never met Zoran before. Yeah, Cyclops is... a lot of Cyclops's dialogue in this presumes that the X-Men know everything about Zoran, but... Wolverine easily explains that in the very next
1: page when he's just like... You stop, Gutless. This bargain basement Rodan just chopped an X-Man. So Wolverine's like, look, Storm's dead. I don't care what happens, but I'm taking this sucker out. I don't even care. He's going to hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It should be noted in the the double-page spread that Sauron still does have a gun Mm -hmm. attached to his holster, attached to his waist. What happened to... uh, Carl Lykos's pants, I want to know. Um, actually, Adam, if we keep... Was he, was he wearing pants in the previous issue?
1: I don't think we actually saw him from the chest down. So I don't think we actually saw his pants uh, in the last issue. But if we go through this comic book, we're going to find out what happened to his pants. Okay. I think, if I, if I recall correctly. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I we can't can... wait. I'm already looking ahead and I can tell you that we find out what happens to his pants.
0: What happens to Carl Icos's pants?
1: Anyways, so Wolverine gets caught up by Sauron's feet and that's when Sauron takes the opportunity to uh, hypnotize him.
0: Gotta bust free but his grip's like an ice-cold vice. Cripes. His eyes!
1: I believe that's similar to what Angel said way back when. Yeah, but that was more like His eyes! Yeah. And Sauron says that, Your mind, your very soul mutant is mine! Quickly, X-Men, look at your friends and see who the enemy is. And just like in X-Men number 60 and 61, as Cyclops also tells us in his Thought Balloon, the X-Men turn into nightmarish demons of their former selves.
0: This is a... Didn't this happen to Jean once, too?
1: It happened to all of them, but Jean... Uh, I think got it especially bad with the whole Sauron thing. Hmm. Yeah. And so Wolverine sees the demons. Looks like uh, Cyclops is just like a blobby zombie guy. Uh, Banshee is death. It looks like, and Nightcrawler is just a more warped version of Nightcrawler.
0: I am not understanding this picture of Nightcrawler.
1: I don't. Yeah. Wouldn't you, wouldn't Wolverine be like? Well, the two guys on the left and right I don't recognize, but that guy in the middle looks like an ugly nightcrawler. Something <laughs> must be up.
0: He doesn't. Uh, this nightcrawler drawing is just bad. I can't tell what's going on. It, it's it's like a blue guy, and I see some ears.
1: I think his eyes are below Cyclops' and Banshee's shoulders. So it,
0: just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me.
1: His head is now like ninety percent forehead. Yeah.
0: That's... <laughs> weird wolverine is secretly frightened of foreheads
1: oh my god his forehead is so big why is his forehead so big tell me cyclops
0: so immediately charges after banshee nightcrawler and cyclops and at which point cyclops thinking to himself furiously through these last couple of panels thinks blast why couldn't wolverine have listened for once yeah. With his power and natural ferocity, he could cut us all to pieces long before Sauron's hypnotic control wears off. Unless I stop him first. Srap. Wolverine is taken
1: out comically, if if you will. It looks like he's a cartoon character that has slipped on ice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I okay, guess so. Yeah, it's
1: reeling backwards. I
0: this is pretty serious until until you point <laughs> that out.
1: He's got legs everywhere, arms everywhere. He's, I don't know. Well, yeah, he
0: gets slammed the crap out of. It's intense.
1: Bam! I literally expect a dog to be standing next to him, going zoinks.
0: <laughs> that looked like it hurt. That's just your natural. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, enjoyment of comedy leeching into your life.
1: <laughs> Could be. That or Scooby-Doo, one of the two. <laughs> Banshee is wondering if Cyclops has gone mad.
0: Trust me, Banshee. I had to. Look, I have no time to explain. Just get airborne. Don't let Sauron make I can with you. He has a hypnotic zap that makes Mesmero look like a rank amateur. Uh,
1: Sauron thinks that Banshee is a flying savage because he is, uh, remember last issue, he was, we thought he was Kesar. He's just wearing like loincloths and boots at this point. So he looks kind of savage. Um, but he does some thinking and stuff. He's flying around.
0: <laughs> and he manages to get a landing blow on Sauron, causing him to crash into the underbrush. what i don't understand is like you've pointed this out before but doesn't banshee fly by screaming
1: i thought that in his introduction to the x-men way back in the 40s or 50s that's what he did but now that i think about it i think he was flying around new york and nobody could see or hear him like he was screaming so subsonically that nobody could hear him I don't know. I th- I still think that they quite they haven't quite figured out Banshee's powers.
0: So it, I I'm led to believe at this point and and from previous things that he he just flies. Yeah, me too. He doesn't have to scream. He's just a flying guy. I mean, that's pretty cool by itself.
1: I I agree and I I agree. There's nothing he, in here that Apparently
0: he doesn't even need his fancy wingy costume with the with the armpit. Yeah. Uh, under these...
1: His little Spider-Man armpit webbing stuff that he's got, or his little glider. Yeah. I mean, the character that they created for uh, First Class is based on the character that we eventually get to know from the late 80s, early 90s, which is a character that re- is required to scream, and the subsonic noise repels him off the ground, and then the costume, actually with the wings, causes him to glide. There's a lot of physics, and, and that somewhat, to, to some extent, makes some sense, but... He's in a loincloth just flying around, and the only time you actually see him making noise is when he's sonically screaming at Sauron. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, so I think all we can assume as a reader is that he can fly and scream independently of one another.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Meanwhile, a dinosaur is attacking another dinosaur in the foreground. Oh, yeah. him, actually.
1: It's like a little dinosaur. Yeah, I let John Burns all about the detail. It's one thing I do like about his artwork is that uh while there's there's background, there's substance. And not only is there background, but there's like detail. There's leaves, there's shrubbery, uh there's these two little things attacking one another. There's some mushrooms in the foreground. Uh there's mm-hmm. some tree stumps that look like they're getting kind of corroded at the end. Lots of just detail going on whereas I feel like an older issue would have just had like a very plain looking tree with about seven lines in it that would have comprised it and maybe some heavier inking in it. True. So and then like the next panel, uh Cyclops directs Nightcrawler to watch Wolverine. And you look at that water and you can see like all the ripple marks from where uh Cyclopses ran through the water and then kind of the sh- the uh the, the shadows from the trees and stuff. So he's not slacking. He's he's definitely putting his all in this.
0: It's true. And he's doing like three or four comics a month. So it's impressive.
1: Yeah. And I got to say that, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm guessing that it just gets better from here, but I feel like this issue is noticeably better uh, in art quality than previous issues. Not saying that those are bad or anything, but like, I think he is just, he's hitting his stride
0: here. Or the team is finally coming together. I mean, maybe, maybe the colors are better too. Uh, maybe the, maybe the, uh, Maybe it's a lettering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, it's really the lettering that pulls it together.
1: That was one other thing that I that uh, I did notice is that Sauron, I think in those old issues, was just all green, like a flat green color. But right. in here, he's got multiple colors of green. His beak is orange. Multiple colors of orange to denote shadows and stuff. So
0: Maybe this Francois Mouly is like a famous, amazing color. Way better than Glynis Ween has ever been.
1: <laughs> Could be. So Nightcrawler grabs Wolverine to pull him out of the water so that he doesn't drown, and that's when—I uh, mean, that's really all Nightcrawler does this entire issue—but that's when uh, uh, Wolverine punches him in the uh, back of his, or with the back of his hand into his head,
0: and apparently punches his head off because it's <laughs> not in this panel.
1: It disappears with a brow. yes and in a flash of white his head is gone maybe he teleported his head away so he wouldn't get hurt
0: (laughs) I didn't know he could do that (laughs) that's awesome cool
1: (laughs) so he gets uh, um, Wolverine gets to his feet and he sees a fiendish demon attacking Phoenix
0: oh man so he immediately runs over to take out the slime monster shouting get out of here genie and he tackles Cyclops uh and they say he cyclops pivots only slightly but it's enough to save his life which i'm glad they have that caption there cuz otherwise it, it looks like just <laughs> a stupid attack well it almost cuz otherwise why would wolverine not stab him right i think that's oh, what they're I'm
1: saying is that him, pus. i think that's what they're saying here is if 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 cyclops wouldn't have pivoted slightly that fist of claws would have gone through his back and up right. his guts. Can you imagine if that was the story and what the X-Men would be today? If Up, oh, that's the last issue of Cyclops.
0: Well, yeah, and what if this was the last issue of Storm?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Cleaning house. But uh, as uh, Cyclops is on the ground, Wolverine jumps over on top of him and gets ready to just start clawing him in the face when he thinks, Nope, wait, something's wrong here. I'm talking like Genie's alive, but she's dead. And that's when Cyclops notices that he's hesitating and shoots uh, Wolverine off of him.
0: Straight up into the air and across the landscape into a couple of trees about, you know, a couple of meters away.
1: Yeah, he goes flying. Uh, It's a shzrak sound and then a kabrash crashing noise.
0: Shzrak (laughs) kabrash.
1: It's for your own good, Wolverine. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and Soron comes in and says, "Marvelous, Cyclops, you're
0: doing my work for me." That's when Cyclops says, "Banshee, high, low, now!" And then suddenly it clicks to Banshee. Oh, this is like one of our Danger Room routines. This is like B twenty-four. <laughs> and so he he screams at uh, Soron from above. Cyclops blasts him from below, and Thoron runs away because the energy shock to his system is more than he could stand, and he feels like he's he's starting to change back to Carl Lycos. Yep. He needs
1: a little bit more energy, and that's when he sees a young Russian man pulling the Black Lady, as he refers to her, out of the water, and he can sense that he's got great power, so he's going to go get some of that And maybe then Sauron will be invincible.
0: Da, I'm sorry I am late, uh, Aurora. I was too busy with some lovely ladies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a ceremony, so nothing to worry about. (laughs) We'll get into that later. Anyways, as Sauron is trying to drain the lifeblood from Colossus, Cyclops, like, look at this running. He's seriously running with those big boots
0: of his. You know... As far as we know, Storm is dead at this point. Yes. Nobody has said anything to the effect that oh she's still breathing or
1: uh-uh. uh there was a line earlier that Cyclops said like watch Storm or something like that. But yeah, nothing right, about but... nothing about her yeah. breathing or it seemed like he gave the indication that well maybe she might be okay. Okay. But uh but you're right for the most part there. Um so as Sauron starts trying to leech the power away from Colossus Colossus transforms into Colossus and the energy of that transformation is way too much for Sauron and he goes flying back.
0: Which is what Cyclops tells tells Colossus to do because he imagines or he hopes that the sudden massive power surge is too much for Sauron to withstand. Again, it's kind of out there that Cyclops would be able to figure that out, but whatever, it's all right. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's where Cyclops, or uh, here's where uh, Sauron, rather, after landing in the brush, changes back to Carl Lycos.
1: Yep.
2: Wolverine,
0: who happens to be nearby, is finally coming out of his trance, realizes that he was attacking the X-Men, and goes after Carl Lycos in order to Stabbed the frack out of him. So, is Sauron to Carl
1: Lycos as Hulk is to Bruce Banner?
0: Uh, Sort of. I mean, except for uh, uh, when Carl Lycos gets angry, he doesn't turn into Sauron.
1: Well, but earlier uh, Sauron's like, oh, I can feel myself turning back to Carl Lycos. Lycos,
2: the sniveling weakling. I'll die before I revert to him again.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. There's definitely similarities. Soron seems a little bit brighter than the Hulk, because I kind of, I kind of thought that the method of transforming into Soron is different. But
1: yeah. I kind of thought that Soron was just like an angry Carl Lykos, like a Carl Lykos who, as Carl no, like goes,
0: no, it was never. It was the he. Yes, he is the angry part of Carl Lykos, but he has to, he has to use his power of siphoning like he's an energy vampire yeah yeah i get that but when he energy vampires mutants that's when he transforms into sauron it's not it's not like a function of being angry it just happens to be the angry version of him
1: yeah no no no. i i get that part but i guess what i'm just trying to say is like he's the corrupted carl lycos when he's in his sauron form so like he's he's carl lycos but he's just like all of those bad parts of ourselves that we normally keep constrained and whatnot but the dialogue here just seems to make it seem like they're two different people. I don't know. Cause then, uh, let's see. As he's changing back from Sauron to Carl Lycos, he's like, Oh, changing again. Thank God changing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I don't like how those two word balloons are written. I don't know either. (laughs) Whatever. Wolverine's gonna get ready to stab him in the face because he's all like, "I don't like people. I don't like people mucking with my mind, bub."
0: Well, claws are claws are withdrawn, so he's just gonna punch him.
1: Well, I, I figure he's gonna punch, but as the punch connects, he's going to extract his claws.
0: No, that's not Wolverine's style. <laughs> no, Wolverine. Nope. Wolverine launches his claws out. Usually, the first thing. Okay. It's Like, hey, um, I got claws. Now I'm gonna stab you with them.
1: And that's when a man with flowing golden locks jumps up from a little hilltop and says, Stop! Release my friend Carl Lycos.
0: Jeremy, no, no. It's...
1: Release... uh, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. It's been a while. Go ahead, Adam.
0: (laughs) Kessar! Stop! Release my friend Carl Lycos. one bono face the wrath of Kessar, Lord of the Savage Land. I keep forgetting his French. <laughs> I don't know how you can forget this Jeremy. It's very important.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Wolverine's a little confused. Cyclops is not confused. Uh, he runs in, is like, hey Kesar, buddy, it's me, Colossus, or Cyclops rather.
0: Yeah, he's got his arms to his side. He's like, hey hey, hold on. Wait a sec. Hold it. I remember you, X man. In fact it was you and your companions Lacos and I were on our way to sea. (laughs) We need your help.
1: Bub, you sure got a funny way of asking for it. Cool it cat, I'll make nice with your pal. Zebu Yes, he is of course referring to Zebu.
0: Okay, now strange thing happens. A number of strange things happen but panel. Yes. All the X Men are back in their costumes.
1: So Wolverine was already in his costume. So was Cyclops. That's fine. Uh, Colossus was not. Nightcrawler has never
0: changed. Yeah, Nightcrawler has never changed. Colossus is... is, I'll accept this. He was just... He took off his robes. I mean... But why were Banshee and Storm wearing rags?
1: I thought in the last issue, Storm was like, oh, it's just like Africa and she can be flowing and stuff. And she was wearing clothes of the, the... the chief's wife, or something like that.
0: But I was under the impression that Banshee's gear was destroyed. I that's was. Why I, eh,
1: I, I, you, I I understand why you came to that conclusion because it definitely seems like that. But before he changes into those rags, he has a full set of Banshee clothes. Like they're not wrecked. And then the next panel, he's in rags for some reason.
0: Well, at any rate. They change into their costumes for this impromptu meeting with Kesar and Carlitos.
1: What I want to know is what is Cyclops holding, or who is Cyclops holding? It's
0: <laughs> they're all, they're eating.
1: <laughs> no, no, they're not. Cyclops has a thing in his hand, and nobody else has anything in their hands.
0: Well, we we can't see what Colossus has in his hands, and we can't see both of Nightcrawler's hands. <laughs> Uh, Wolverine's got a rag, and he is wiping off his claws. See, it it's flesh-colored. It's kind of like and, a rod. Uh,
1: <laughs> it looks like it might actually be coming from Colossus, to be honest. Well, no,
0: it's in the next panel, too.
1: Yeah, well, apparently... He's pointing
0: it at, at Carlycos.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's very suggest- suggestive. It's just a hot dog. They don't have hot dogs in the Savage Land, Adam. Sure they do. I think that somebody cut their member off and gave it to Cyclops for them to eat.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. I, I kept it as clean as possible. Anyhow, Cyclops. I want to
0: know who this um, black-haired woman standing behind Cyclops is.
1: Yeah. She's the wife of the man whose member that belongs to. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> they told me this might happen, but I never believed it.
0: Because she doesn't have a mohawk or anything. Oh. Good
1: point. Well, Cyclops demands an explanation, and so Dr. Carl Lycos delivers the explanation.
0: He explains how he... The the last we saw him, he fell into a bottomless chasm. The X-Men went after him and ended up in the Savage Land. However, it turns out that Carl Lycos did not fall into a bottomless chasm, as everyone suspected, but he fell into a ledge a few meters below the top of the uh the ice cliff.
1: It's true. And so <clears throat> while the wolver or, um, while the X-Men were doing everything that they were doing in the Savage Land way back when Dr. carl Lykos very slowly made his way down the cliff and uh here you can see that he's got some torn up jeans. He learned to live off the land by only taking energy from lesser animals, and now you can see his genes are a little bit more torn up because I think this is establishing the passage of time, and that 's when he found a strange savage land procession and he decided yeah, his to take hair it out.
0: gets a lot longer, and his mm-hmm. his stubble remains the same, so he 's clearly shaving.
1: He found a cache of razor blades. <laughs>
0: He shaves with the bullets from his gun.
1: There you go. He does have his gun on his hip, so it's all very details, man. They all matter. So he wanders in with this procession and sees a crazy lady whose name is Zala Dane. Zala Dane. She is the appointed priestess, and she would like to wake up Garak, I think. She's
0: talking to a large mountain that has a face on it.
1: Yes. Rejoice, O Lord of the Sun, for the time of apothesis is at hand.
0: Today begins Godbirth. I think it's apotheosis. Sure, whatever. I don't know if it's a real word, so I suppose it doesn't matter.
1: Eh, it's probably based on something. So as Zaladain gestures, a slab of stone raises out of the floor of the temple cave, and we're... Introduced to a man whose name is Kirk Marston, but I don't think it really matters because Zaladane paints fire on his chest and he turns into a, the petrified man,
0: who I guess is also Garrick.
1: I, I would assume so, but they don't say like Garrick, it's you. He just refers they have to the himself. Same as the same face. P- he have they... the same weird flower eyeballs. <laughs> Uh, what What is this madness? I died, consumed by the star-born fires that gave me birth, yet now the petrified man lives.
0: I summoned you because <laughs> of this death now stalks the savage land. Your people cry out for you. Oh.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: And in True Villain, he's like, shut up, Zolidane. You're kind of creeping me out. But uh, <laughs> she says, he says, based on that crazy little scream of yours, I sense truth and falsehood in your words.
0: You speak of death and worse than death. Show me. Show me the money, he says. That's
1: where I got a little confused. So they're in the Savage Land, They walk out onto, like, a little cliff, and they're like, Look!
2: Over there! In the swamp! In the sky! It's tainted by the blasphemous presence of a city!
1: And, like, Saturn and a couple of other moons.
0: Yeah, I thought... Yeah, it was was weird, but I guess what's happening is that some aliens are terraforming the Savage Land to look like this. I'm not sure why the planets are there. So, again, Savage Land, is it a different realm? Is it a different planet... Well, this, well, she she says that this is, this has only been here for days.
1: Yeah, but there's a sky. This used
0: there's, to be, yes used to be a swamp.
1: Right. The city on the ground used to be a swamp, but in the air, there's planets and a skyline and all that sort of stuff. I mean, where are they, Adam? They're not under Antarctica.
0: Well, I think, I don't know. Are
1: they in the land of the lost?
0: Those are really small planets too.
1: All right, well, Garak... That's
0: one heck of a cape she's got there. That's got to be heavy.
1: Garak's not having anything to do with it. These alien people uh, are bringing suffering to his domain. They shall shall bring it no more. By my soul, let this madman's conflict end. And he just obliterates the city.
0: Which I guess would solve the problem. Right,
1: like, end (laughs) of the issue. Nothing to worry about here, but... Apparently, in the next panel, uh, uh, Dr. Carl Lykos and Kessar uh, are, are very disappointed.
0: I still don't believe it. Somehow he manipulated a trans-dimensional warp, like a sculptor molding, molding clay.
1: In many Whatever. ways, my friend Gerak, the petrified man is indeed unto like a god. Tonight he was reborn. And then he goes off onto this whole story about how he was flying around on some flying sharks, <laughs>
0: KSR is flying around on a flying shark. Which is pretty <laughs> awesome, right? I mean, it's, if... it is. I I kind of I kind of wish I had a copy of Kesar 20, which apparently <laughs> this refers to because I really want to see what what these guys were smoking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Kesar is on a flying shark with a harness on it and he's just flying around and there's like this flying saucer that's shooting at him and his shark, but I still, I, I give a, a, a point here to Kesar and his flying shark because nothing more scary than flying sharks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But so as he's attacking the spacecraft or whatever, both the, the shark uh, and he refers to it as, what does he, he refers to it as, uh, is it just a flying shark?
0: Yes. <laughs> Suddenly, in the midst of battles, the city around me, the flying shark beneath me, faded away as if they had never been. They couldn't even come up with a creative name for the flying shark. Having no wings myself, I fell. I uh, I looked up Kazar number twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, it came out in February nineteen of nineteen seventy-seven, and it was the last issue of Kazar Volume Two. Oh. And um, so this story ended over a year ago, and they're finally continuing it.
1: Well, again, that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I wish I had a copy so I knew what was going on, because this this story seems really interesting. (laughs) No kidding. Well, it
1: doesn't seem like it gets resolved, though. I mean, if we're resolving it here.
0: Well, what I'm trying to understand is, like, do the shark and the spaceship disappear because of the petrified man blasting the city? i got no idea. I, 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 that's what I think happens.
1: Um, so Carl Lycos and Tandy snow found him. I'm guessing that Tandy snow is the woman with the black hair that's in the background with not a Mohawk who would okay. also be the same woman in the background of the Cyclops eating the member scene that we just talked about.
0: Okay. There we go. That's... All of my questions are answered. Um, <laughs> uh, Shauna the She-Devil was also in KSR number 20, but I don't know what happened to her.
1: The guy that's to his left shoulder, or his right shoulder, I suppose, uh, left if you're facing him, looks like a guy that would have been with Shayna, at least in the Shayna number 3 that we read. But maybe not, I don't know. So anyways, uh, as he lands on the ground, uh, Dr. Lykos bumps into Zebue and Kesar and tells him about the story of Garak, basically. Guess what I saw?
0: They're like, who are
1: you and why are you here?
0: <laughs> I could do nothing until my friends had fully recovered. By then, it was too late. Using slave labor, Garak built a great metropolis in the central lake. He means for all who dwell in this savage land who live there. Those who refuse are slain, are regrettable but necessary stevizes to ensure the common good.
1: So his ultimate end goal is peace, but it's the means that Kesar has issue with. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Tonga's fall people and I have tried to stop him and we failed. Yes, remember remember Tonga's Fall People? Nope. Oh.
1: <laughs> Where would I have last seen Tonga's Fall People?
0: <laughs> Wolverine pops his claws. See, this is the Wolverine we know. Always popping his claws. With your help, X-Men, perhaps we can succeed. Fine by me, Blondie. Sounds like my kind of fracas. is snicked.
1: My sentiment's snicked. exactly short stuff. But then somebody off-panel says, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, no, Bob? I mean, much as we'd like to help K-Star, we can't.
0: Bull hockey. <laughs> What'll it take, you futzer? Bloundy down on his knees, begging, grabbing your waist. Suck, never mind. <laughs> uh, so Wolverine, or I mean, Cyclops,
1: he basically, he's... Using a little bit of logic here, he's like, Look, buddy, it we just survived a volcano that we are not entirely sure whether or not Magneto survived, but if he did, the next place he's gonna go is to the professor. So, our first duty as his X Men is to the professor.
0: And this is a logic that Cyclops, I believe, has used before. It's always like, We gotta go back to the professor, and, and Kate going after the professor, and
1: KSR like, Eh. No worries, my friend. Do not worry. The Savage Land we will protect.
0: Uh, I remember. It was when, when the X-Men were facing off with Magneto for the first time. Cyclops said, nope, we can't fight Magneto. We have to go back and save the Professor. Was that in
1: issue number one?
0: No, no, no. Not not the, the, the new X-Men were oh, facing oh, off against oh, yeah, Magneto yeah, yeah. for the first
1: time. Gotcha. And so Cyclops says, don't worry, buddy. As soon as we figure out what's going on back home, we'll come right back to the Savage Land and help you out.
0: And to Wolver- That's a laugh. Anyway, you cut this. We're bugging out again, and I'm getting sick of it.
1: Hey, I mean, Wolverine's got a point there. Yeah. So off they go. They leave uh, Carl Lycos in, like, a big treehouse. So... Uh, apparently his whole Sauron thing is cured. No no worries there, no issues. He's not hungry for a delicious, delicious mutant soul.
0: Yeah, he's, you know, back to sucking the life out of the animals. <laughs> Bring me another chinchilla.
1: <laughs> so they're heading towards the secret passageway or the tunnel that takes him to Tierra del Fuego, I think, is what we're doing here. But they notice that it's very frosty and cold out.
0: Our way out is as as a sh- solid sheet of ice. There's
1: a boat frozen in the water. So I'm pretty sure that they're at the point where people wash up here and then make their way to the Savage Land. Uh, but the water's frozen. The sky, it's snowing, and it's not supposed to be snowing here. Uh, Wolver- I mean, uh, Nightcrawler does the second thing he's done in this entire issue, which is throw a snowball into Wolverine's face, which is kind of funny.
0: Here, yeah, Wolverine, catch!
1: <laughs> Elf, you just push the magic button. Choose your snowdrift, bub. Loser buys the beer. Which I think is the first appearance of that.
0: Loser buys the beer? Yeah. the That wasn't a classic X-Men one? I it, think... It appeared like a thousand... It appears in every other issue of classic X-Men.
1: I think this is the first like real appearance of Wolverine challenging Nightcrawl to the beer. Because as we progress in X-Men lore, they will continually challenge one another in Danger Room battles and other exercises, with the stakes being a six-pack or a case of beer.
0: I like the sound effect of the snowball on Wolverine's face.
1: Floop! But, I mean, they're really kind of being rude, and Kesar points it out here. He's like, stop, you fools! Don't you realize what's happening? Like, regardless of what's happening right now, and Kesar's basically said, like, my land is doomed. And I realize you have something to do with your professor, but for God's sakes,
0: don't be playing snowball with each other. Oh, even if Kesar wasn't here, this is like no time to be futzing around, Nightcrawler.
1: I know, so. And even Nightcrawler's like, it's only a snowstorm, Kesar. They happen all the time.
0: (laughs) Not here, they don't, says Storm. Somehow the sun god has upset the ecological balance of the land. The tropical hothouse effect that has kept the Antarctic cold at bay through the eons. This is no mere snowstorm. For the Savage Land, it is death. Uh,
1: next issue to save the Savage
0: Land. Pum pum.
1: Honestly, like for as much crap as we just gave that issue, I, I did like it. I really did.
0: Oh, it was a great issue.
1: I thought I mean, there was just enough action with Sauron and just enough like backstory to kind of reset ourselves. Because, again, we've been through like three very fast-paced issues of just nothing but intense action and situations after situations. Oh. That It's kind of nice, once again, to be like, here's a little bit of action. Now we're going to reset and kind of set up the next storyline, whatever it may oh. be.
0: I feel like this issue and the last issue were both kind of setup issues because nothing really happened. Um, yeah, there s- was a brief encounter with Sauron, and that's pretty much all that happened between the last, this issue and the last issue. And we we have a setup for what's undoubtedly going to be the next series.
1: I guess you're right. So maybe, maybe I did like the last issue, but I recall liking this issue more than last issue. But still, maybe it's just because of the. Uh, what seems to be improved artwork or maybe maybe just overall improved creative team. But I, I like this issue a lot.
0: I like any issue that has case. (laughs) Yes, you do.
1: (laughs) So let's just, uh, let's dig right into the mailbag here. What do you say?
0: Mailbag.
1: And the first bit of mail we got was an actual email from a fellow named, uh, Chris, uh, withers who said that he's enjoying the podcast more than ever. We are now at the books where his collection begins, and he's been browsing through some of the issues that we're covering, and it's fun to see us touch on some of the things that pop out of uh, at him as well. He did a quick Google search for an asteroid chart, and there are some that astronomers can get so that they can observe some of the larger and more prolific ones, though he was unable to find Asteroid M on any of those asteroid uh, charts. He assumes it's because Magneto is dis- uh, hiding it with modern
0: technology. So there you go, Adam. Cheers. <laughs> Do you think he's he's a Londoner because he's he says cheers? Can't non-Londoners say cheers, Adam? I'm just being stereotypical.
1: Oh, oh okay. Then yes. Uh, he probably wrote that while drinking a pint as well.
0: <laughs> In some sort of pub.
1: Absolutely, because that's where all Englishmen and Irishmen go. Straight to the pub with you. So David Steele also, speaking of uh well, actually this is Scotland, but close enough, right? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> speaking of somewhere not America. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he uh yeah, David Steele, he says that uh he's glad that we've reached the John Byrne issues. Uh, he has contributed so much amazing work to so many of the titles in the 70s, like Avengers and Team Up. Uh, it's clear that his arrival took the book to new heights, and he's loved reading the issues again. Much of the Burn Claremont stuff was reprinted over there in the UK in a black-and-white magazine called Rampage. And he actually includes a cover of Rampage number 34, which, includes, uh, which is basically a reprinted cover of X-Men number 116 which is what we will cover next week but that's interesting
0: Does it, there's still the all new all different x-men
1: yeah 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 they're not the uncanny here and the x-men logo is all wrong and there's even another different logo where it says kesar leads the all new x-men but the x in the x-men logo is all weird looking
0: yeah it's it's almost like the old X-Men logo, but not quite.
1: Yeah, like the little block effect is on both sides instead of just one side. And kind of looks, that looks weird. The Thing logo looks normal, though. And Nick yep. Fury, his logo looks right.
0: And Mentelo and the Fixer <laughs> and Luke Cage Power Man.
1: You know what? There used to be an industrial band called Mentello and the Fixer. So I, I wonder if they got their name from this right here.
0: Oh, I I used to listen to Luke Cage Power Man all the
1: time. Yeah. I don't think Mentella was spelt this way, but regardless, uh, Luke Cage Power Man, that was an awesome cover band.
0: Can he win against a man who can't lose? Well, I got to tell you, Jeremy, it sounds like no is the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a trick question. <laughs> So as much as we've been whining and
1: complaining about the whole iTunes things, it looks like some of you listened and uh, decided to
0: give us some reviews because now we're up to 42. Well, here's the anomaly. We have two new reviews, but last week we were at 41 ratings, and now we're at 42 ratings, but we have two new reviews. So we lost a rating. (laughs) I say you just don't. You just don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Adam. I'm not. I mean, I'm glad we got these reviews. I I prefer the reviews. They're great to read. It's just, I wonder what's going on. Did somebody, like, quit using iTunes and therefore his vote no longer counts or something? Maybe
1: he rescinded. He's like, I hate these guys. They're so stupid. And he just, (laughs) oh, they've gone too far. I finally got to the Canadian episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what alpha man sounds like. They're hate Canadians <laughs> racist against Canadians so Uh, The very first one, actually both of them came in on the same day, so uh, that's kind of cool. But the first one's by Brandon Metcalf, and he says that if you want to get in the old original X-Men but don't have the money or time to discover it, let Adam and Jeremy do it for you. If you like to laugh at funny voices or Cyclops' endless angst over his eyes, this is the podcast for you. Uh, Don't worry if you're new to the podcast, you won't be able to stop listening and you'll be caught up in no time. It's funny, easy to listen to, and not to be taken too seriously all-around five-star podcast. I agree with that. Uh, I I think it's great advice that nobody should ever take either of us too seri- seriously at all. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> there are many more people out there that know way more about the X-Men than us, so don't take us too seriously. Unless we're giving you love advice. Oh, then we're, we're love masters. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I have a business card that says love master on it.
0: Yes, yeah, so you make sure for our 100th episode is coming up. So if you need any advice, just write in and
1: we'll give you some love advice. Uh Blitzwing rounds out our letters column in the iTunes reviews by saying that he's read the entire X-Men run from 100 or number 1 to 350. Why well, give up there? There's only like 155
0: issues to go. Cuz there are 155 bad issues. <laughs> oh. At X- least at least up to 450. <laughs> uh is it go to four fifty
1: five? I think I got my. It goes up wrong. to five. Um, oh, I don't know. I thought it was five. No, something, it, but you're right. It f-
0: could just be four something.
1: No, I think it's five forty four. Okay, but regardless, uh, he finds the podcast very. But, but still, there's only like two hundred episode or issues left to
0: go. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess they must have got bad. 300 to 350, I think it's going to be a, a slog.
1: Well, first of all, we're going to be much older, so <laughs> that's going to be a ways away.
0: Um, but uh, he's... Jeremy, I remember back when we first started this podcast. I don't. Your accents will actually be good. <laughs> <laughs> What's a podcast?
1: <laughs> I'm doing this virtual reality thing. <laughs> Nobody's watching. Uh, he finds this podcast a very enjoyable way to revisit the series. Uh, we, you and I, Adam, go over the material with a bit of irreverence, but it's in good fun. I don't know what that means. And they don't truly disrespect the franchise in any way. Uh, it's kudos to us, I guess. He's looking forward to the impending Dark Phoenix saga, which is right around the corner. And he tells us to keep up the good work. And we intend to.
0: Well, you do.
1: <laughs> Me? I'd intend to harpoon this podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, because if I got tired of this, I would just like, I would I would try to make you quit because I couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> so the entire podcast would be like, want to you hear my fart noises? <laughs> no, Adam, I'm trying to do Cyclops' voice. No, 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 I can do it with my armpit now. Adam, are you bored? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs>
0: Irreverence, Jeremy, and for those fans who don't know, is a lack of respect for people or things that are generally taken seriously.
1: Oh. Okay. I thought it meant something better than that. (laughs) I don't know. They're irreverent. I guess it just depends on how you say it. So we, we disrespect the franchise? Is that what he's saying? Well,
0: yeah, but I mean, keep reading and Oh, right. What what does he say after that? I don't know. I already closed iTunes. Okay. Rewind the podcast and find out. I think he says we disrespect it, but not in any seriousness. (laughs) No, uh, we kid, of course. Um, The message is we're not very serious.
1: Oh, okay. And we don't care. Sometimes I need translation services. We're not very serious and we don't care. (laughs) Adam, are you bored? Maybe. <laughs> All right, well, then let's uh, get right on to the most exciting part of the podcast, which is the craptacular classic X Men Spectacular.
0: Oh, boy. It's number. This is the part that most people skip. <laughs> oh,
1: turned off. It's X Men number, or classic X Men number 21.
0: And, uh. And, uh, wow, He Man is guest starring in this <laughs> issue.
1: Something happened to his sword, though. It's much smaller than it used to be. <laughs> He does have a
0: puny little sword <laughs> and long flowing locks. And battle, he and him had much shorter hair. Battle cat is the wrong color. Yeah, he was green, not orange. Well, he was green and orange, so maybe just the orange is dominating. Maybe this is uh, cringer. The, uh the what was it, what was he before cringer? Cringer. Yeah, but cringer never looked this badass. Yeah.
1: You know the the best rendering on this entire cover is Zabu.
0: Well, I feel like the X Men in the lower right hand corner are the same X Men from Classic X Men number one. No, nope. I, that's what, I know. It's not, but oh. it looks like it to me.
1: No, these those are terrible. These, these are terrible drawings of X Men here. And, and classic X Men number one was not a terrible drawing.
0: Oh no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. It just it looks like a very similar pose.
1: What I want to know here, and if you haven't noticed it yet, Adam, you know I'm going to go to it. Is what is going on between Nightcrawler's legs? <laughs> Will you just look at that for just one minute? There, there are two horizontal little lines in his crotchal region that don't need to be there. And it's not <laughs> like it's not like they're accentuating his package to make it look like he's got a massive package it literally looks like he's got a camel toe. (laughs) It's horrible. Like, why did did Art Adams decide to do that to poor Nightcrawler? (laughs) Yeah, back in Bavaria, I was a little girl. (laughs) Like, okay, when we read uh, Giant-Sized X-Men number one, uh, uh, whatever podcast that was, we also read some notes from Dave Cockrum about his character designs. And one of the notes was, for the love of all that's holy, do not draw Nightcrawler's tail between his legs, which they've never done, because they don't want it to look like a giant penis coming out of of, of <laughs> Nightcrawler, right? They've never done that. But never did J- Dave Crocker make a note saying, "Look, let's avoid the two little lines on Nightcrawler's crotch region because somebody might think it looks like you know goody bits." <laughs> oh, goody bits! All I'm saying. And and why is he swinging from a vine? He never does this in the issue.
0: Well, it was something you would expect him to do. All right. Anyways,
1: yeah, so... We are
0: firmly entrenched in the 70s as well. I mean, look at the, the hair on uh, Kesar. is very 70s rocker.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I expect him to be pulling out a guitar at any time. <laughs> One of those guitars that's two guitars.
0: How come Banshee and Phoenix don't make the upper left-hand corner uh, head shots?
1: No idea. I never understood how they picked the characters that would go up there. And in some cases much later we're going to they're going to put character heads in there that don't even look like the characters they're actually supposed to be. Hmm. Uh and I think one of them's Dazzler, like the picture that they put in there, it's got like orange long hair but the character in the comic book actually has short blonde hair.
0: You mean the guy that killed uh Warren Worthington's dad?
1: <laughs> yes, he joins the X-Men briefly in the 80s. <laughs> and he becomes a girl. All right, let's open this thing up. Uh, In the inside, we get uh, there's like some dinosaurs and like a chicken thing flying around.
0: Art Adams did not feel like drawing the X Men in this
1: issue. (laughs) Just phoned this way in. Even the dinosaurs like I'm bored. (laughs) Look, look! One of the little dinosaurs is yawning. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah. So uh, Kieran Dwyer is joining us for the backup story. Chris Claremont is writing the backup story again. I mean, not the backup story, but the uh, inserts. uh, Yeah. Of course, John Bolton is drawing the backup story. So let's get right into that. Uh, The table of contents tells us that the first changes are between pages 11 and 13. But we, of course, know that Wolverine never says, I'll see you in hell. He says, bub, the only place you're going to rule is in Hades, which makes no sense. It's silly. I almost half intent, or uh, half thought I would see Wolverine said, You go to blazes. <laughs> you're you're gonna go to blazes. I don't know, it's bad. You you go to blazes <laughs> and have a really bad time. <laughs> it's hot in Hades and in blazes. Blazing in Hades. There may be some other changes in the dialogue, but we don't care. Let's just go right to page eleven.
0: Which is an insert scene, which was not in the original issue, of course, mm-hmm. of Jean Grey doing Jean Grey stuff.
2: I'm folding laundry because I'm a girl. And now I'm looking at pictures because I'm a girl. And... why Is does she... she
0: in Scott's room and she's putting away Scott's stuff? Getting rid of it, maybe? I don't know.
1: Uh, it looks like she's packing for a trip. Because mm. she's taking things out of the... Closet, or I mean the uh, the dresser, and putting it into a suitcase. We see pictures of various students. We see the very first team, and we see the second team. But no, Lorna Dane or Havoc were they not part of the X Men here? Come on,
0: they would, they never counted.
1: They never got their own team photo picture. No. So she goes on. She's like, I've known Professor X the longest
2: since I was a kid, long before he formed the team.
1: What? No, she hasn't. Well, no, she not as far as we know. <laughs> she met the professor the same day that we met the professor in X-Men number 1. We all saw it happen. What is she talking about? I don't know. She's crazy, crazy broad. <laughs> uh
2: and yet this house was far more a home to Scott.
0: So, and then she starts whining about how oh, she couldn't why couldn't she save him? He was so lonely. And then she turns into Phoenix and she kind of flips out and then she starts mind probing the professor. And this panel is really weird. Yeah. We, we get like this half professor, half Phoenix head. And yeah, it does not look good.
1: And all of the X-Men. Well, it looks like you got the X-Men behind bars, Lilandra behind bars and top left corner. Is that Jean behind bars? I believe so. Okay, and the phoenix bird is He's like in
0: the Professor's mind, and this is how his mind is broken
1: up—like eh, a big brick wall with all of the people he loves behind bars. I guess.
0: What? What? There, out of her hair, is coming a phoenix that is eating a rock.
1: It's either eating a rock or just crashing into it. I can't tell which. Or is that a cloud? <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not good. So now she's probing the entire mansion and she sees Lilandra fighting hopefully that's Colosso but we don't know. She's fighting <laughs> fighting a robot though.
0: Mini Colosso. Uh
1: yeah, and then the
0: pool of the mansion is huge.
1: That it is it's it's bigger than the main part of the house. That's impressive. And so she's losing touch, she's taking on more and more power and reading more and more mind or something like that and
0: she yep. can't control it, but it it turns off. It made me wonder how come the psychic rapport between the professor and the X-Men isn't still happening. Is he just unable to read them since they're in the Savage Land?
1: Sure. <laughs> no idea. Uh, we should also mention that uh, uh, Phoenix was able to probe the professor's mind without the professor's knowledge, so that's how much power she has. Mm-hmm. And then and she
0: she feels like she can't even tell him that she did that because then he'll know that he saw, or she saw some dark things that she he didn't want her to see.
2: But how can I turn to the professor? The moment we mind-link, he'll know what I did, see what I saw. I'll hurt him terribly. But without him, without Scott, who can I turn to? What am I to do?
1: (laughs) And then we go back to Cyclops cooking up the wiener back in the Savage Land. And that's it. Uh, That that would do it for that part of Classic X Men. So let's turn to the backup story called First Love. This is a story about Beast uh, and his first love. Uh, It's a Beast Iceman tale. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's uh, Colossus. It's Peter Niklevich in the Savage Land, and it's hot. Lord, it's hot. Boshy, my. It's hot.
0: This story takes place in between parts of last issue. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't this? Attached to last issue.
1: I don't know. What last, I don't know. What was last issue? Last issue was bad.
0: It was really bad. Last issue was that storm zombie story. I don't know. This would have been made much more sense. Yeah. It's hot, though. Lord Almighty,
1: is it hot. We get many, many panels describing how hot it is.
0: It's, it's really- so hot he can't even draw. It's so hot he's having delusions of uh, seeing his sister as a grown-up. And also that girl he ran into in New York. Anya. Or or wherever it was that thought he was a monster and ran away from him. Anya. What I want
1: to know is how did he get a pencil and a notepad down here to the Savage Land?
0: He always brings it with him. He keeps it in his (laughs) (laughs) loincloth.
1: Oh. So he's been trying to draw pictures, but he is unable to because, Lord, it's hot. Oh, but the a grown-up girl who couldn't possibly be a grown-up girl—that was his sister, because his sister is a little girl, just like you said. Heat illusions.
0: And that's I, why. Why are why are we doing this, Chris Claremont? What are you trying to say here?
1: Uh, it, he's having a premonition of the future, but he doesn't know it
0: yet. Yeah, whatever. This is fan so service. Three Mohawked girls going off into the woods, and. It, it, Yes, he thought they were, I don't know how he thought that two, three people were two people, but whatever.
1: So they walk off and he's still thinking about Anya and the months it's been since they've passed. And it's the same sketch pad that he had back then because he's got the drawing of her sitting next to the, the boardwalk or whatever. He's not
0: added a single drawing to this.
1: <laughs> I cannot tell a story. I cannot draw. Now I'm sweating like pig.
0: No good with letters.
1: <laughs> no good at nothing. But then uh, he hears a scream, so he runs out to 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 go rescue the girls. And there's From a...
0: what turns out to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: Look at one of those three girls. She's like half shimmied up the tree. It's pretty amazing. She's scared. Yeah. And so Colossus, of course, you could just turn right into Colossus and take out this Tyrannosaurus Rex. But... It's so hot that he can't transform. <laughs> Lord, it's hot.
0: Woo. Well, he thinks it's the heat. he He's not sure what it is.
1: Right. Probably heat, affecting my concentration. No time to worry about that now. So he throws a rock at the T-Rex. The T-Rex whips Colossus into the water.
0: And but then... that gives the girls enough time to get free, but I guess not since one of the girls is distracting the Tyrannosaurus now to save the other two girls. And she gets tromped as Cyclops climbs up, a, or Colossus climbs up a tree and jumps onto the back of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And as this girl is being chewed, Colossus starts stabbing the Tyrannosaur in the eye with an axe.
1: So let me get this straight. We can show a T-Rex chomping a girl and a dude chomping a tight T-Rex in the eye with blood everywhere, but Wolverine can't say, I'll see you in hell?
0: No, man. It's (laughs) the 80s.
1: Okay. And it gets brutal. The next panel is like uh, like, uh, uh, two-thirds of the page of him just hacking away at his eyeball.
0: So you think this Tyrannosaur is blind now? Because he got both eyes.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, logically he would be blind. And so the T-Rex falls into the water and we're led to believe that the T-Rex has drowned and died.
0: The creature's caught in the bog, the mud pulling him down. He won't be back. Good thing I doubt I could have lasted much longer. The air is so humid, it's like being underwater.
1: It's so hot. It's so hot. so <laughs> hot. So that's when one of the Mohawk girls comes up and is like,
2: I'm Nero. I'm so happy to have you.
0: But unfortunately, Shikani is dead. So they they take her body and burn it and they do a a burial ceremony.
1: Yes. I guess. The X-Men look on. Uh because they are thinking of their own recent losses. Yeah. Is that guy on the bottom supposed to be Nightcrawler?
0: I was gonna ask the same question, but
1: (laughs) I was like, who's this stranger that just joined the team briefly? The problem
0: is he has hair. Does Nightcrawler doesn't have hair?
1: Well he has like a head of hair. Sure he does.
0: Well he's got pointy ears. Where is pointy ears?
1: Right. He looks like a dude with like fuzzy head or hair. So anyways, everybody goes to bed, but Peter can't sleep because it's so hot. No, he just can't (laughs) sleep. And that's when the girls come in and wake Peter up.
0: There is a last ceremony, a memorial to Shikani we must perform. It's over here in this room with the camera.
1: (laughs) We would like you to share this special time with us, they each say. So that's when we see Wolverine, who is sewing his costume back together, and uh, Colossus says, you want to come with me? Uh, It's
0: the same scene from issue 114, except with slightly different dialogue.
1: Yeah, slightly. And uh, Wolverine says, much obliged, pal, but I think I'll pass sides. I wouldn't want to cramp your style. Colossus is like, what does that mean? I'm not good with letters. Didn't in 114, he say that they were going to go swimming or something?
0: Uh, I think he just said, Wolverine said, don't do what I wouldn't do. And right. Colossus said, well, what's that? And Wolverine said, oh, nothing.
1: So the girls paddle, well, Colossus paddles the girls out to a little island. And Peter all innocently is like, no, what must I? <laughs> and
0: the girls are like,
2: simply Be with us, warrior.
0: Be? You mean, what is that
1: camera for? (laughs) No, I cannot. And that's when brown-haired mohawk girl, I can't remember her name, goes in for some kissing, and Colossus is like, no. Apparently, what, what these girls want is for Colossus to impregnate both of them.
0: It's true. What better way to honor a fallen friend than by hopefully creating a new life? Yeah. But if we don't, at least we have a good time.
1: Heck, yeah. And uh, Colossus, a little old school, kind of romantic, he's like, No, you should be with a man who cares for you for the rest of your days. And she points out a very liberal stance that their village has, is that the children are the charge of the entire village. The tribe is the family. Plus, she's like, Have you seen those guys? Oh, man. <laughs> Ugly. And I think all of them are my cousin.
0: <laughs> so There's they, no shame in joining with an out, outlander.
1: Yep. And they're pulling her, him down. And he's like, no, please. Your ways, they are not mine.
0: And then the blind thunder lizard Tyrannosaurus Rex reappears with a mighty roar. Colossus points out the obvious. It didn't drown.
1: (laughs) So he tells the girls to scatter. Uh, They do. And now he's, um, well, now he's able to transform into Colossus.
0: The Tyrannosaur comes in and chomps him, but he is able to transform into Colossus. And it turns out that the reason may have been because yesterday he was too scared. Oh, Although, it didn't seem like he was scared. He was so, smashing the thing with an
1: axe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. totally. I, I guess, whatever. Oh, whatever. So he jumps on the t- Tyrannosaurus, and he's like bashing it in, and he's thinking to himself, oh, I can hear the surprise alarm in their voices. How long before that turns into terror? So he's comparing the girls to Anya, and the time that he saved her by turning into Colossus, and she freaked out. So
0: well, he, yes, but you missed the major important thing, was that Colossus snaps the guy's the the tyrannosaur's jaw uh open killing the tyrannosaur yeah that was a major thing
1: okay fine you're right <laughs> there's a there's a giant snap okay it's not important to the story though adam what what happens after that is important
0: and then not finished he <laughs> continues punching it
1: so he basically turns it into a big Tyrannosaurus hamburger and
0: uh, and they have hamburgers
1: hmm, and they eat and that's part of their ritual they're like we lured it here we didn't want to make love you gross sick pervert <laughs> we want you to eat Tyrannosaur no it turns out that uh, you know Colossus comes in and he's just waiting for the girls to be like oh my god you're scary but they don't and uh, they're like why without your power we, we, we wouldn't have been able to save us from that lizard And if you look really closely on this panel, I think Colossus has a metal nipple right right above the word "balloon" that says. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I see it. I don't. I, I I don't know. Maybe.
1: (laughs) Well, anyways, he says that I was just thinking of someone I once cared for and how she fled from me when she saw me like this. I feared you might do the same.
0: To which I say, Colossus, you knew this girl for ten minutes. Get (laughs) over her.
1: No kidding. And the mohawk, brown mohawk girl, she's like, she was foolish. We are not. For we see nothing in you to fear, as would anyone with enough sense to follow the dictates of their
0: heart. Also, we're still in the mood.
1: Yes. Well, now they're even more in the mood because they just saw this man take down a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. And she's in Colossus is like, real. when I leave with the X-Men, I must go. And these two girls are all like, then we must cherish the moments till then.
0: Well, then let's move faster.
1: (laughs) Colossus is like, oh, you mean you truly care? Silly boy, let us show you. And the other girl finishes the sentence. How truly much we do. They don't care at all. And then this balloon is ridiculous and suddenly he finds he's smiling with wild light-hearted joy he's never felt before. Yes, because there's two naked women writhing, writhing around on top of him and knows for the first time that he's discovered love. No, he hasn't discovered love. He's just discovered every 15-year-old boy's fantasy. <laughs> and he's like, "Ooh, I'm so happy for the first time in my life. I wish this could happen all of the time." <laughs> wow. Kitty Pride would never have done anything like this with Colossus. Or maybe she would. I don't know. So uh, remember last issue, Adam, when I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to get it on. You're like, no, they're not. They're just going to go have fun or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Adam, you were wrong. <laughs> I was right that Colossus was a wiener about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that.
1: Chris Claremont's intention always was that Colossus was going to get some. Fair enough. And it's, it's I just feel like that's a very weird story to
0: tell in a comic book. In the middle of another story too, it's it's kinda strange.
1: Like obviously most of us who are are, are whatever, like anybody who's got an imagination is like, we know what they're doing. Like, did you need to tell us that story that no. Everything you thought, it's, that's what happened
0: totally. Chris Claremont really needed to go into detail. It's like I just don't—I like, don't think I was clear enough <laughs> about don't... Colossus getting laid. I don't think they get it. Like he got laid by two
1: chicks at once. <laughs> All of you people that think that Katie was his first love, no—it's these two crazy Savage Land girls. All right. Well, there you go, everybody.
0: It's true. There you
1: go. From Our Mouth to Your Ears, The Tale of X-Men 115. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, anything else you want to add to this whole thing?
0: I read Champions number 7 through 10. And? Um, Nothing really remarkable about Iceman and Beast. Uh, Basically, the Champions are now an official team. They have one of those nice ceremonies. Um, the griffin returns you remember him i do to he he's now part of a supervillain team with a bunch of russians who come back for revenge on black widow and her buddy ivan petrovich or whatever his name is sure and
1: um do they fly the champs craft
0: no there's no champs craft Ice Iceman is still planning on letting Warren eventually know that he's going to quit the team.
1: Oh, where's he going to go?
0: He just doesn't want to be on a team anymore. He wants to go solo and constantly. Pretty much everybody is like, we're not a very good team. Boy, we're all loners. We stink as a team.
1: I thought that that was the defenders play.
0: The defenders, the champions, it's all second tier.
1: Yeah. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
0: So, no major revelations about Iceman or Angel. Uh, obviously, the Russian plot to to kill... Uh, I'm not even sure what the plot was. To get revenge on Ivan Petrovich because he abandoned his child, but unknowingly.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: So, yeah, I guess the champ's craft... No, no, it doesn't appear. Not yet. That's disappointing. It'll be back, though.
1: Okay. Anything else? No. Well, then, until next week, the Danger Room is closed.